0: If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew 24. I'm starting a series today called The End. It's about the end times. In over 19 years of ministry as a senior pastor here, I've never done an, uh, a series on the end times. For five straight weeks, I'll be here the rest of the summer. I'm going to be sharing about the end times in the Bible. And uh, today we're looking at the signs of the times. And to me, um, This is probably the most important prophetic passage in all the New Testament because Jesus gave this message, this prophecy that we're about to look at. Uh, uh, It's called the Olivet Discourse. That's what scholars would call it. But look in Matthew 24. He's with the disciples. And as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming And of the end of the age. So that's why this series is called The End. And uh, Jesus gives this prophetic discourse that we're going to look at today to tell us when the end is coming. You say, is the end near? It reminds me of uh, an old fellow who was downstairs and fell asleep. His wife had gone to bed and he was awakened by the grandfather clock chiming. And he counted 10, 11, 12. 13 chimes and he ran upstairs and the old fellow said to his wife, honey, wake up. It's later than it's ever been. Well, uh, I don't know exactly when he's coming. No man knows the day or the hour, but I'll tell you this, it's later than it's ever been and it's closer than it's ever been and we'll look at that and see that today. Let's pray. Father, come by the power of your Holy Spirit and touch our hearts. Lord, when we realize uh, the truths of your word, when we realize the importance of salvation coming to people, when we realize that the window is closing, God, it changes us. When we realize we must be faithful to the end, Lord, we, we focus on being faithful. I pray that your Holy Spirit would lift us today to another plane, God, in our relationship with you where we'll get really serious because time is short. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to list six things that I see in this passage today and I'm lumping these first two together because they're in verses 4 and 5 of chapter 24 and then verse 11. But Jesus starts off by saying in the last days there'll be false prophets and false religions. Compromises within the visible church even, false teachers. And they will increase in the last days and deceive many. Today, many of the mainline denominations in america that have been around for nearly the 200 years we've been here there are several of them that don't even teach that jesus is the way to salvation anymore they've moved away from that they have homosexual pastors and teachers in their in their churches and morality and obedience these things aren't important to them anymore I can tell you that in my lifetime, over the last 20 years, I've seen an increase in this that I never thought would be possible in America in my lifetime. It's been amazing how fast these things are moving, and there's a temptation for the rest of the church to join in, the Church of Jesus Christ in America. Well, I'll tell you, some of those aren't the Church of Jesus Christ anymore. They've moved to false doctrines, false teachings, and if Jesus isn't the way, then then you're teaching heresy. And here's what Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. He's talking about false Christ, false prophets here and then verse 11 of the same chapter he said and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Other versions say teachers. At least six times in this Olivet Discourse, it goes all through chapter 24, Jesus warned his disciples against false teachers and deceivers. Six times, so it's a pretty big deal to him that this is what's going to happen. And I believe we're seeing it happen in our days. The last days, as they draw close, there'll be these false preachers and uh, false teachers, majorly prevalent. They'll be teaching new revelation and they'll say things like the enemy said to Adam and Eve when he was tempting them, did God really say? That's what the devil said to Adam and Eve. And Eve, did God really say? And when the enemy comes, he'll even challenge in the pulpit when he brings sheep and wolves' clothing, and, and you'll hear, did God really say? One book I know of recently uh, from a fellow who's been a big part of motivating the church, it seems, has moved to a place where he says that you don't have to accept Jesus Christ. was a book called Love Wins. And so love uh, isn't Jesus anymore, it isn't accepting Jesus, not necessary to go to heaven to accept Jesus before you die, and when you teach that, you're teaching heresy. Pastors are now teaching that you don't have to repent of sin. Listen, any time that teaching doesn't have anything to do with faithfulness or, or obedience to God's word and truth, heresy follows. Faithfulness should be a big deal. Repentance, turn and walk away from your sin that you might be blessed in this life, that you might be pure and reach out and bless others. These things are all in the word of God. 2 Timothy 4, 3 says, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. When I surrendered to the call on my life, <clears throat> and you've heard me say many times, I didn't want to be a preacher. I counted the cost, and one of the things I decided before I started is I, I would not bow to fear or favor of man. That I would preach to the best of my ability what is in the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and let the chips fall where they may. I belong to him, not to men. I know he loves mankind. I know he's trying to draw mankind. But if you don't know that you have sinned against a holy God and you must repent to be saved, if you don't know that, then you won't come to Christ. For what reason would there be? I mean, what are we saved from, right? I'll talk about that later down the line. You must repent was what they preached before Jesus came. And repentance is part of coming to God and salvation. Not only within the church, but now there are cults and religions that lure others by saying Jesus is good, but he's not God. Or they'll water it down the other way and say, well, we're all gods. Islam would say, did you know this? The religion of Islam says that Jesus was a great prophet, But the greatest prophet to them is Muhammad, and you don't have to accept Jesus as your personal savior, and he's not Lord of all. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. But they draw people in, even from the church that were raised in the church, by saying good things about Jesus, but making sure that everyone knows he's not the way, the truth, and the life. There's many roads they'll say. The Baha'i faith would tell you Jesus is their main mentor but they worship the eight great religions of the world. It's deception. It's false. Buddhists would tell you Jesus was an enlightened soul. They all say positive things about Jesus. Do you find that interesting? I do. Because they're trying to draw people in and make them think that, uh, you know, it's okay to come this way because we value Jesus when the truth is they don't value him at all. They're trying to suck people in. All these religions are gaining ground in America. I never, I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime either. But I believe for the first time, the first look by, pe- by people who are looking at religion, m- mo- much of the time it's not at Jesus anymore. Used- the first look at religion was always Jesus when I was a child, almost always in America. No longer. Things have changed. America's becoming warped, Christians are being deceived. Remember several years ago when Portland, the Portland School District bussed thousands of students to an arena in Portland to hear the Dalai Lama speak. I, I, I find it interesting. Um, you think they'd bust them all in to hear Billy Graham speak? They're taking tax dollars to do that? We're just living in a day where things are happening that we... You know, the irony is we can't say anything about Christ in our schools and teach anything, but in Cambodia, in a communist country, our kids were teaching the Bible in a public school. And we think America's greatness is what's going to carry us. Listen, without godliness, this nation will decline. All of these false religions are drawing people in by saying you can believe that Jesus is good, but they insist that Jesus is not God. Here's what the Bible says. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. That's the name they're talking of there. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We can't let go of that. And Jesus said those things will happen where false teachers, prophets, false Christs will appear in the last day. Second thing he mentioned was wars and rumors of wars. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So Jesus says, as the end draws near, you'll see wars. It doesn't mean it's the end, but it means it's drawing near. Did you know that there have been approximately 15,000 wars in recorded human history throughout time? 15,000 wars. Far more people have died in wars during the past hundred years than in all the centuries before in this world. And the wars just keep proliferating. As, as a matter of fact, you know, we talk about wars in the last hundred years. World War I alone involved more men in uniform than all the troops in all the wars before it recorded in time. 53 million troops in World War I. That was more soldiers than all the other wars combined. Uh, had. 13 million were killed in that war, in World War I. And we look at the Middle East and there's some prophecy about that that I'll get into later, not so much today. But let's think of wars and rumors of wars when it comes to the Middle East. America and Iraq, that was not too far behind us. Afghanistan, we're still there. Libya and Gaddafi, that just happened where they, they rose against the dictator. Syria, where the rebels are now fighting against the dictator Assad. These are wars going on among us in these countries. And now, I don't know if you know it or you're watching closely, but Israel and Iran are on the brink of war right now. There's warships in, 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 the, in the Gulf there. And they're threatening to, that they can hit. Iran says, we can hit you with nuclear uh, missiles. We can hit your ships. And they're talking about the total annihilation, Iran is, of Israel. And Israel wants to defend itself. And I'm telling you, if this war happens, it is highly likely America will enter that war. Wars and rumors of wars. Jesus said this is leading up to the end. When you hear of this, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. These signs are leading up to the end, but the end is not yet. then Jesus mentioned this, famines and earthquakes. There will be famines and earthquakes, verse seven, middle of verse seven. In various places, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Did you know that it took from the time of Adam until 1857 for the population of this planet to reach one billion? It's the creation of man, 1857, population reached one billion. Since then, we've added a billion people every 20 years to the earth's population. That's pretty rapid growth. And when that happens, because we now have seven billion people on the earth, population explosion causes famines, especially in third world countries. And we're seeing that there is famine Uh, throughout the world we've seen that in this last 50 years an incredible uh, way in Ethiopia and Egypt and other nations and then earthquakes he said earthquakes would happen with frequency let me read this to you take a look at it on the screen the United States geological survey revealed that during the period from 2000 to 2008 the total number of earthquakes worldwide each year that were recorded with the magnitude of 3.0 to 3.9 increased from 4,827 to an astonishing 11,735. Likewise, those with the magnitude of 4 to 4.9 increased in number from 8,008 in the year 2000 to 12,291 in 2008. While those measuring 5.0 to 5.9 rose from 1,344 to 1,768 it's pretty obvious that earthquakes are on the rise as well. Of course, I was in Haiti this year, and you know that in 2010, you talk about uh, getting shook up, 20, rather 222,000 people died on that, in that earthquake on, on January 12th, 2010. 2, 222,570 people died in Haiti. 7.0 earthquake. million people were displaced. I was in that country this year. I saw it. We're living in times where these things that Jesus said would be the signs, they're increasing. They're the birth pains that he spoke of. Tim LaHaye um, wrote a series of books about the, the end times, the Left Behind series. He spoke at a Rotary Club in San Diego at the invitation of a doctor. His name was Ron Jones. It was a few years ago. And he had been a recent convert to Christ. And he had been the president of Rotary. And when he stepped down, he, he brought in Tim LaHaye to speak because he wanted there to be a Christian witness to the businessmen as he stepped out. So LaHaye said yes. And he spoke to 700 people that day that were gathered at the luncheon. And most, he said, seemed bored with his gospel presentation. All 700 businessmen didn't seem to be that interested. Until an earthquake hit. The dishes rattled and water sloshed and dinner glasses and the chandeliers swung back and forth. The lights even dimmed some. And Lahaye said suddenly he had everyone's rapt attention. <laughs> Talking about the end times. You know, it's interesting when we feel like we're near the end, how we focus on God, or when we feel like the end could be near. I'm certainly not an advocate of war. Anybody who likes war is sick. But it's interesting that in times of war, people turn to Jesus at much more rapid rates. It's interesting that when people are on their deathbed near the end, how they focus on God and their families take a look at eternity in ways that they haven't before. And it's interesting here, I think one of the reasons Jesus is saying that earthquakes will come is he wants to get people's attention. Hey, we're getting closer. We're getting closer. I want you to think about this. Eternity's on the line for you and for others. I want you to think about this. I think that's why he let these increases happen. And he said in verse 8 that these these earthquakes and famines are the beginning of birth pains. I I, I didn't know it, but I found in my research that... um, Women in their birth pains have 30 to 50 birth pains, um, sometimes days apart, before they give birth. I remember being in that room with Karen, and I'll just tell you, it felt like a lot more than 30 or 50 when that was going on, I'm sure, to her. But the point is, you know what birth pains means? It doesn't mean the baby's here. It means the baby's coming really quick. And this Greek word that's translated birth pains is an exact translation. We're near the end. He's showing us that these things are happening at a rapid rate and we need to be ready and we need to reach out. Oh, and this next one. Holy cow, Christians are gonna be persecuted and killed. Now, I I, I want to uh, let you know that um, there's a certain amount of mystery that Jesus left in this, so he didn't leave exact dates and he did that on purpose. He wants our hearts to just be ready. Ready? and be ready at all times, and to be focused. And we might tend, if we knew the date, to just wait until the very end to get ourselves ready. He's saying be ready every day, be ready now. But there are some people, some scholars, who believe that verse nine is talking about the beginning of the Great Tribulation. And then there are some who think that it isn't, that it's talking about when Jesus says, uh, uh, near the end of this passage I'm gonna read today, and then the end will come, Uh, the the translation that I believe is that the end is the rapture that he's talking about where the church is caught away and the great tribulation happens after that. But I, I think it's fair to say and I want you to know since it's about split by the scholars on whether that's the great tribulation or not, for sure God wanted you to know that these things are going to increase. So let's keep that in mind as we look at this. He said, then you'll be, if you don't know what the great tribulation is, it's coming down the line and I'll talk about it in one of our services. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. This is a prophecy from Jesus Christ. It doesn't seem like it'd be really easy to draw people in to be believers for Christ with that message, does it? Except that eternity's on the line. At that time, many will turn away from faith and will betray and hate each other. This says that believers will be persecuted and hated in the end times. We know from 2 Timothy 3.12 that all Christians should expect persecution. Whether this is the Great Tribulation or not, all Christians are to expect persecution. I mean, you have to get ready for it because it's coming. Your family will mock you at Thanksgiving sometimes because of what you believe if they don't love Jesus. Your co-workers will hammer you sometimes. Now, we never hammer back, right? We're people who love. We hold the truth, but we hold in love. And we care, and we build relationships. But just just know, here's what it says. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That passage is definitely not talking about the Great Tribulation. That's for all of us today. Followers of Jesus in the last days will have to face people who arrest them and hand them over to be tortured and killed. You say, "Well, that, that's so radical. It doesn't seem like it's possible on our day. I think what I'm about to tell you will shock you. Have you heard of the pastor Yusef Nardakani in Iran? Maybe you've watched in the news. It's been more than a thousand days since a Christian pastor from Iran was thrown into Iranian jail for leaving Islam and, be, and being converted as a follower of Christ. He's been sentenced to death because he believes in Jesus Christ and he won't renounce Christ. And the U.S. State Department puts it this way. He's sentenced to death simply for following his faith. His lawyer recently was sentenced to nine years in prison for defending him. He's scheduled for his next court date on September 8th would you pray for Pastor Youssef? But lest you think that's an isolated case, here's the part that's going to shock you. According to the voice, the voice of the Martyrs, it's a website, it is reported that today and around the world, 400 Christians a day are being martyred because of their faith. In the world, not so much in America, but you know what? It's going to happen in America someday too. We're seeing a rapid decline. Um, do you you know how much 400 a day is across the world? 150,000 Christians currently are being killed yearly in our world for believing in Jesus Christ. 150,000 a year. Now, not the future, now that's happening. And you can go to persecution.com to get some information on that if you'd like to. It says in verse 10, because of this, many will turn away from Christ. Down through the centuries, it's not just today, down through the centuries, there's been persecution and hatred towards Christians. And because of it, when it gets intense, people fall away. And Jesus said that's a sign of the last days. Then there'll be an increase of wickedness, he spoke of, before the end comes, Talking about those birthing pains now that are leading up to, and boy, are we seeing an increase in wickedness in our world. As a matter of fact, one of the worst things you could say in America today, especially with the mainstream media, is that there is sin. That there is evil, because they don't believe there's sin or evil. Each to his own. Matthew 24:12 says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. That little verse is our memory verse this week. It'll be up near the end of the service. He who stands firm to the end will be saved. There's an unbelievable increase in immorality that will characterize the last days. Sexual perversion, adultery, pornography, drugs, lustful entertainment, it's going to all abound even more. Jesus in this Olivet Discourse in verse 37 says, it will be as it was in the days of Noah. Here's what it says about Noah in the New Testament. As it was in the days of Noah, this is Matthew 24, 37. This is Jesus talking in the same discourse. So will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Genesis 6, 5 says, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And then there's, there's another passage where I believe it's the same explanation here. It's in Luke 17, a, a synopsis of the same story. It will be as it was in the days of Lot. He speaks of Noah and Lot in Luke 17. Well, do you remember Lot? Lot, the city, was so evil in Sodom and Gomorrah that, that a large crowd of crazy people um, Wicked homosexual people came and said, give us your visitors because we want to have sex with them. I mean, that's pretty depraved to say, we saw guests go in your home, send them out. I know it could make people upset, but I, you know, I'm a Bible guy. I'm just a Bible guy. Luke 17, here it is. As this is Jesus saying, as it was in the same days of Lot, people were eating, drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, but the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So there's a New Testament recollection of that. And then we look at, um, you know, what, what's, what's going on with this Chick-fil-A thing? Yeah? Um. You know, where Don Cathy, the president of uh, Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy's son, really strong Christians for a number of years, been, stood as great witnesses for Christ through the decades. And asking a radio show, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm for the biblical standard for marriage, a man and a woman. And I'm concerned for our nation. And, and man, all hell breaks loose. And the Chicago mayor and the San Francisco mayor say, you're not welcome in our cities. Did you think that would happen in our lifetime? They didn't even say we don't want homosexuals in here. They didn't say that. They just said we believe in a biblical standard. And now, if you believe in a biblical standard, you're not welcome in our city. Welcome to the new America. I know God's way is love. I know relationship is God's way but I want to remind you that the apostle John was killed by the king because he called him on his immorality and he was considered a martyr for Christ because he stood for what was right, the word of God and his standard. Whew. It's fast. It's fast the way it's declined. I don't know where we're going from here but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. 2 Timothy 3.1, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Isn't that interesting? Take note of that, students, along with that whole uh, slew of sins. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Say that one again lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. I find it so interesting that people who don't know Jesus, love Him, or walk with Him, are always quoting the Bible. They quote the parts they like. You know, you can prove anything out of the Bible if you just pick one passage. But you're going to have several to have solid doctrine. Let the one without sin cast the first stone, they say. But they never say the other part of the story where Jesus said, who condemns you? She said, no. And he said, now go and leave your life of sin. How come they never say that part? Because they don't believe it. They don't believe the first part. They have a form of godliness, but they actually deny its power. They don't even know him. Do you want to learn from people who don't know God? You're gonna find out who he is from them? You can't. Have nothing to do with him, it says. The last thing, he said, the gospel must be preached around the world. That's what Jesus said, because we're in the last days. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. And that's where I think the rapture is and we'll talk about that next week. Jesus coming in the clouds to catch the saints away. I believe we'll go, I, I, I'm a pre-trib guy, I believe we'll go before the tribulation happens and he'll pull us out of here, the great tribulation, before that happens. And I'll talk about that a little bit more next week. But many interpreters believe that the end refers to when the dead in Christ will rise, when the saints are caught away, the rapture. We'll talk about that next week. Jesus tells his disciples that their business. What, what then should we do? We should live pure. We should stick to the word of God. Don't let people pull you off. By the way, the only way you're really gonna know it is if you read it, because I could be telling you lies up here, and if you didn't read the Bible, you wouldn't even know. You just say he's a good guy and he's funny. I think I believe what he believes. Don't believe what I believe. Believe the Bible. Anybody who says the Bible's not important is somebody who wants to inflate their own importance. And they have an agenda that's different. You're gonna be safe if you stick with the word of God and you must read it to know it. He tells the disciples that their business is to spread the gospel around the world. That's our business too. We're his disciples. It's been estimated that nearly one third of the, op- the Earth's population alive today are Christians. Did you know that? That's over two billion people. One third of the Earth's populations population is Christian now. Jesus is the most hated in the world, but he's also the most loved. kind of how it's going to be with you and I we're going to be hated and we're going to be loved I don't want to be hated I prefer that people like me but if I must water down the truth for them to have relationship with me I can't do that I I can't say well there's another way besides Jesus I can't, I won't The solution for our world is not political. President Bush couldn't do it. President Obama can't do it. President Romney won't do it either. They're not going to rescue us. The solution is spiritual for our world. Eternity is on the line. John 3, 7 says you must be born again. That is the solution. The natural mind, the natural man, the Bible says, cannot understand the things of God. When people come to Jesus, their lives change, their perspective change. As a matter of fact, I know a man who's one of our elders who had a different view of abortion and the moment he got saved, the Lord revealed to him that those were little lives that were real, that were being taken, and he changed his mind. When all the Christians witnessing to him before and talking about that, didn't change a thing in him. You can't clean a fish before you catch it. It's just impossible but when people surrender to Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit starts to work on their hearts and the truth of the word hits them in a different way. People need Jesus. We've got to get that message out to There's There's a limited amount of time before the end comes and that's why we send the youth to Cambodia. Isn't it, Pastor Dave? That's why we care about the little girl who's four. You know, when I was in Cambodia, I sat, um, my my favorite thing actually was I was invited to a home to have dinner. You don't know what you're gonna get when you're in a foreign country, especially if you're in a home, right? But I met this lady who was now a pastor and she had a grass house. And they had it elevated so they could be in the shade underneath to work during the day. And Pastor John and I had lunch with Ken Hoff, the missionary, and we heard their stories. Now, just think, 17 years ago, nobody in Cambodia, I mean, there was was no church. It's just been opened up recently. And now there are scores of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of believers in the last 17 years, why? because the church said let's get after it. It's an open door, let's seize the opportunity. As we were sitting there around that table, through an interpreter, that lady who was a pastor of the local church there, and there's small churches there. As a matter of fact, I saw a couple of them that we built, that's part of why we went. This church has built them. So I went to see those churches. And it was cool because we have preschools where uh, the people are spiritists and they're afraid of evil spirits and so they don't wanna come near to a church but, we, but, but those churches that we built through the missionaries are giving free education to preschoolers and kindergartners. So because of the free education, the parents are coming and the fear of Jesus and the fear that the spirits will get them if they go to a different religion uh, is is declining because they're finding the love of God in these missionaries. Their children are learning English and they're being taught the Bible. The nation's being changed. If we can get another window for the next 10 years, we, th- there'll be a major witness for Jesus in Cambodia. And one of the pastors told me her story. She didn't believe in Jesus. And there was another pastor locally by, another woman. You know, they they... St- they stood up and said yes to Jesus. And another woman was coming to witness to her and she said, I don't want Jesus. This is a lady who's now a pastor. She was saying to her friend from another town, I don't want Jesus. I don't believe in Jesus. But what happened was her husband got really sick. And the doctors said, there's no hope he's going to die. And the pastor from a, that bordering town or that, that, that town nearby came by again And this time the lady said, look, I told you I didn't want Jesus, but if Jesus will heal my husband, I will follow him. So that lady pastor put her hands on that man and she prayed and God healed him and raised him up when the doctors couldn't. And she she was true to her word. She accepted Christ as her savior. Then a few years later, Ken Huff's on the scene there. He's ministering among these guys, right? He's the missionary that that our youth work with, that our teams work with. He's one of the missionaries there. He's been here at this church a couple, three times. Ken Huff left everything in Albany, Oregon, one of the the cushiest youth pastor jobs and the best paying jobs. And here's a guy who gave 75% of his salary to missions before he left for the field for years in his life. His car was a Honda Civic that had, I believe, over 200,000 miles on it. And I'd say to him, why don't you get another car? When he was here, because we were buddies then. And he'd say, ah, it keeps running, man. If I, if I get another car, I, I won't have as much to give. God just keeps it running for me. Well, God took that heart and took it to Cambodia. And this pastor wife tells us another story. And John, Pastor John, who's right back here, Elder John was, was with me. And I mean, we were moved to tears she said that they were in a meeting and Ken came in and Ken was really sick. He was sweating and she thought, why is he here? Because he was in terrible shape. And she saw him continue to reach out when he was sick and love people. And this new believer said, okay, Jesus, if if he can come here from America and give up everything and be sick to minister among us, how much do you love us, Lord? If he will give you his life that way, I give you my life that way. And now she's a pastor. And sitting at that table was her daughter, who you're supporting to go through college. It's $500 a year there to go through college. She's one of Ken's right-hand people, getting ministry done, doing incredible things. We go because people will be lost if they don't find Jesus. And we're not just there. The church of Jesus Christ isn't just in a few countries. We're all over the world, reaching out, trying to fulfill this prophecy Jesus said, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And this is that gospel. I close with this. For God so loved the world. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life.